All right. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Oh. You sure I'm on? No. I don't. There we go. All right. We're going to go ahead and get started. If everybody can kind of grab your donut and make your way in. <laughs> you got here late and you're still working on it. It's great to be here today. Amen. All right. As y'all begin to make your way in, we're excited and delighted about what the Lord has in store for us. And, uh, we're excited about what he's up to. We have a lot going on in our church family this morning, and uh, we're excited to be here and excited to have Courtney help us out today, and um, we're kind of move things around. A lot of different personalities are taking place this morning, and so let's just pray, and we're going to get started. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, thank you that you make all things new, God, and you're such an awesome Savior. And I just pray today for your spirit to move and touch our hearts and touch our lives. And God, that you would do a work in us, Lord, that uh, we, we didn't even realize needed to be done when we came here today. Lord, what we're asking is please, please, Lord, bring us closer to you as a result of being here. God, move in our hearts. Mold us into what you would have us to be. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, let's stand to our feet. We're going to worship the Lord this morning.
wonderful day outside did y'all look outside it's gorgeous i am so excited for today all right guys next song is about marvelous light and what a better song to sing when it's beautiful bright light outside Your 
Amen. Are you not thankful for that this morning? Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's just go to him in prayer this morning. We want to stop and pray for our church family that's, that's there in Natchitoches and doing ministry. And they had a great day yesterday. And today we just want to pray for the moving of the Holy Spirit. And for those that are, um, that are there intentionally, that God would speak to their hearts. To those who are there unintentionally, God would speak to their hearts. For those who are just walking by, you can be seated if you want. For those who are just walking by on the street today, that the Holy Spirit would speak to their heart. and They would hear the music and that that would draw them in. Amen. And uh, what a great privilege we have as a church. And we want to pray for Pastor Bob Galloway, who's preaching somewhere this morning. And Pastor Matt is preaching somewhere this morning. And sharing the ministry of Peru and some other ministry opportunities up in the Monroe area. And so we got, isn't it great uh, that God just allows us, uh, our small body, to just be part of a greater work, to be part of the kingdom connections, and not just about what we're doing here, but about what we're doing around, touching hearts and lives. And man, I'm excited in Peru today. They're in their new building. I received a picture this week. They were able to get their sign hung on the hung on the new building that they leased, uh, family in Gracia, and uh, man, we're we're just we're excited uh, about what God is up to in our small in our small body today. And so let's just pray today for a fresh moving of His Spirit where our family is out doing ministry. Amen. Father God, in the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord, that you are such an uh, awesome Savior. And God, I just pray today <clears throat> that, Lord, you be with our church family as they're out doing ministry. They're on ministry assignments, Lord. Uh, thank you, God, that you're moving and you're touching lives. I pray for that riverbank today that it will be filled with your spirit, God. I pray for Kim and HB and the rest of the team, Lord, as they are up there, and God, that uh, they're leading worship. I come against every thing that could cause them problems today. <clears throat> Lord, the weather, and Father, even though it's a beautiful day, the wind was so bad up there yesterday. And so, Lord, we just pray that while they're doing this service, Lord, that it wouldn't be a problem, God, uh, that you would just intervene, Lord, there'd be no technical issues, but Lord, most of all, we pray for your spoken word, your sung word, Lord, that will uh, bounce across the water, Lord, up and down the riverbank, down the streets of the marketplace, Lord, and that, God, you would touch hearts and lives there today. Lord, I just pray in Jesus' name. Pastor Matt, Pastor Bob, as they're doing ministry today, that, God, you would speak to their hearts and speak through them, God. Lord, thank you for letting us just be able to be part of that, God. Um, you're such an awesome Savior, Lord. I thank you for answering prayers this week uh, in the lives of our, our church family. 
And Lord, I just pray that you will move today in an awesome, awesome way. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's stand to our feet and worship the Lord this morning.
I have a little prayer list that I keep, and I just keep adding on. And today I ran into a, a woman that I've been praying for for about a year with cancer. And she told me that she was completely healed. So our God is amazing. thankful for that this morning church father god thank you for that lord that you are forever ours for how great a god you are lord and you're a great god because not because we loved you lord but you just first loved us and you gave yourself lord to be 
the payment for our sins. And God, I just pray in Jesus' name that you speak to our hearts today and we will give you the glory. Amen. You may be seated today. Thank you guys and ladies for leading us in worship today. We're excited about what the Lord is up to. It's a great day to be part of the family. Amen. Um, if you, huh, yeah, if you, if you, if you haven't, uh, if you're new to our family, uh, this is kind of how it was all the time in the beginning. Uh, we, we started out in a, a storefront building and, uh, the whole length of it was, was glass and we would just stand at the glass like waiting for somebody to drive up. And, uh, we're, we're excited about where God's brought us from since then. Uh, if you're visiting with us today, know that most of our family is either still out on spring break or uh, out on ministry assignment. Amen. I'm excited about that. Uh, Will texted me, told me we forgot to pray for Brother Mike Haynes, that he's out sharing this morning as well. And so, man, God just has a, uh, a great plan, and God is really and truly up to a lot in our lives. And, um, you know, when we, when we come together, uh, it's amazing that the connections that God is, is bringing in our body and, and the way that he's bringing people together for such a time as this and to be um, such a small faith family but to have such a long reach is absolutely amazing. And, you know, it's amazing how large of a circle that our church family um, is... It, encompasses not only around the world but just here locally and how far people are driving in uh, to be part of what we're doing here and uh, be part of our service and be part of our mission and that's what I want to speak to you a little bit about this morning um, I want to share with you out of the book of Luke and you know as we turn there <clears throat> it's a interesting passage of scripture I was just reading this week and, and thinking about what the Lord had spoke to our hearts. And, uh, you know, I read where he sent the 12 out. He sent them out two by two. And um, I was over there in Matthew and I was reading that. And then I read where he, he sent the 70 out in the book of Luke. And I was reading that and reading what was taking place in their hearts and lives and you know, what's interesting, though, is, you know, I mean, over in the book of Matthew, when he, when he sent the original 12 out in Matthew chapter 10, guys, guys he didn't just send them out to, to build campfires and make s'mores bars and, and, and to just, you know, have fun. He, he sent them out to do big things. I mean, in, in Matthew 10 and 1, you don't have to turn there, just or you can turn there and mark this, summoning his 12, he he commissioned them and he gave them authority over unclean spirits to drive them out, to heal every disease and every sickness. But we don't hear a lot of that in our ministry today, huh? In our Western culture, and if we do hear it, we automatically label them as as, as, as people who don't have a clue and they're out of touch and, and, and they don't fit into our Western worldview of Christianity. And if they are in our Western hemisphere and they're doing those things, you, you label them as somebody I don't want to have anything to do with and you want to stretch your arms out from them. And, and you're scared to get too close to them unless somebody 
pull you into their circle and start talking about you. You know, but God gave us authority to do some stuff. And man, this has been a, a crazy week for us. And, uh, you know, I, I appreciate, you know, I, I sent our pastors a text this week and I just said, man, I, I just, the text just, text just simply said, I love our family. And uh, man, I appreciate those. And I'm speaking of our faith family. And, and you know, this week as uh, Christy's family went through the, the trials that they, they went through, we went through, and her dad turned up missing and decided to see a couple of states and uh, didn't know where he was. And that, that feeling, you know, that, that, that feeling that we worked through, you know, initially when he'd been gone for about seven hours, seven, eight hours, you know, you're thinking, okay, he must have had a heart attack somewhere, you know, must, have, must be off on a side road somewhere and, and uh, nobody knows where he's at. And then when we found out that his, his credit card was used and made a purchase in two states away, we're like, okay, uh, somebody must have mugged him, robbed him, stole his card, and then went through the process of finding out on video surveillance that it was him and he was just on the tour of the United States. And so, you know, we were walking through this whole process. And, man, I began to, I began to think this week about that feeling and, and, and how you just, there was that urgency that we, we, we just had to, had to get there. And, and, and we had to intervene and somehow get him to safety. And, man, I was, I was so overwhelmed when I, when I found out that you just began to meet and pray and, you know, and you had prayer meeting here, and, and, and what a wonderful feeling to know that you have a faith family. Guys, I, I don't know how folks do it without a faith family, okay? I mean, in that hour of difficulty, in that hour of despair, in that hour of trial and tribulation, I mean, to have somebody to pray with you, to have somebody to... to to move in our hearts and our lives and you know and then I, I begin to think and, and and for the last six to eight weeks I've just been in prayer and I've just been praying and uh, about what where God was leading us for the next several weeks or, or the next month in our sermon series and and our, our new sermon series that's coming up is on is on soul chasing and and getting out and making a difference and that's chasing after those people that are Jesus spoke about in Matthew chapter 10 when he summons his disciples and commissioned them and he said guys I'm giving you authority and we go back to Acts chapter 1 from last week's message and and you know we looked at that and he says I give you authority I want you to go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the father and when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you shall receive power. And then you shall be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. He gave them power. And so when he met with the twelve originally, he says, I'm giving you authority. And then in Acts chapter 1, he's giving them the power that goes with the authority in his absence. Are you with me, church? And so I believe that a lot of our faith families, and I believe that even us, a lot of times we are, we are anemic in our faith life. We are spiritually anemic in our faith. And, 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 and we are losing our zeal. And one of the things the Lord has just been dealing with me about is that, that we come back and we be centrally focused on what is it all about. And it's about being hot-hearted and chasing after people. I mean, that's where we were this week in our faith family. 
and in our in my physical family. I mean, you know, we were we were running after her dad. We had we had teams that went out in different vehicles, you know, and they were trying to intercept him at any juncture that they could. Why? Because we wanted to bring him back to physical safety. And I just began to wonder this week, I wonder what would happen in our faith family and in my life if I had the same unction for intervening in people's life spiritually and trying to cut them off and bring them to a point of spiritual safety. Are you with me? I know it's awkward. It's hard. It's not comfortable to talk about. But look at what it says in Luke chapter 15. In Luke 15, it says, in verse 1, all the tax collectors and sinners were approaching to listen to him. And the Pharisees and scribes were complaining, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. And he says, what man among you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them and does not leave the 99 in the open field to go after the ones who are lost and find it? When he has found that sheep, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders. And coming home, he calls his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me together. I have found my lost sheep. And I tell you in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need repentance. And so, man, Jesus is there and he's talking to these people who are sick. He's talking to these people who are spiritually afflicted. He's talking to these people who are in need of a Savior. And all of a sudden, the religious crowd begins to talk about him saying, can you believe he's talking to sinners? And Jesus says it simply in the Gospels in another place. He says, guys, I have come to seek and to save those which are lost. He also says in another place in the Gospels, he says, this, it's the sick people who need a doctor. I mean, are you frantically trying to get an appointment with your doctor when you feel good? Or you feel bad? And so he says, sick people need a doctor. And so he came to the people who were in spiritual bondage, who had scales over their eyes, who were afflicted, who were tormented, who had unclean spirits, who were going through all of this anxiety and spiritual depravity in their life. And he says, I am on a mission to reach them. And when they began to be on, Jesus was on this mission to reach them, everybody else, the religious crowd began to mock him, began to ridicule him. And in this passage of scripture, it's so awesome because Jesus starts telling them this story. And he says, what man among you has a hundred sheep? You wouldn't go look for that one lost. And so as we look at this, you know, I wonder today how many people it is that God is moving on our hearts. And how many times do we as a church get very comfortable with the, with the hundred that we have, with the hundred and fifty that we have, with what God is doing. But yet there are those people who are barnstorming their way to hell every moment. And there's no one, no man's going out saying, please intervene. Please, please stop. Please stop. I beg you, please stop. You know, and I just wonder, what is it going to take in our hearts and our lives for us to become a faith family that really and truly has a hot heart for telling people the good news about Jesus Christ? I wonder what would it take in our faith family for us to begin to really and truly have a spiritual urgency about prayer. I'll be honest with you today, I have been as apathetic as anybody 
It's just so accustomed to get in the ritual and say, okay, here's what we're doing, man. We're reaching a couple along the way. And we can feel good about what's going on in our life. And, man, in this passage of Scripture, we see something very interesting. is that Jesus described his mission to the religious crowd. And he says, my mission is that there's, there's a lost sheep out there, and I'm going to find it. And we see here in this passage of Scripture we, that he says that. And the next parable is this, the parable of the lost coin. And he says, what woman, that tells a story about a woman who lost a coin. And she began to sweep the house frantically trying to find the lost coin. And talked about the celebrating that took place in her life after the coin had been found. And so in this awesome passage of Scripture, he begins to say, here's my mission. I am on a, a mission and my assignment is what? To seek and to save those which were lost. <clears throat> you know, you can tell a lot about a company about their mission, their mission statement. And what drives them as a business. And so as we look at this, what was the mission statement of Christ? To seek and to save those which were lost. What was he doing? Trying to intervene and to seek and to save those which were lost. He was trying to run interference and, 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 and block them and just tell them that they didn't have to live their life in bondage. They didn't have to live their life hopeless. They didn't have to live their life in despair. They didn't have to live their life in defeat. They didn't have to live their life under the, the, the dark clouds of condemnation, but they could come out of the condemnation into the light. Matter of fact, it says it this way very clearly in John chapter 3 and verse 17. For Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. I mean, Jesus did not come into this world to tell you how bad you were. And to condemn you. And to, to afflict you. He came in this world to tell you that he loves you so much. And he was willing to lay down his life and die for you. <coughs> and for everybody. For every man, woman, boy and girl. For every child. To tell them that good news. That's what it says in John 3 and 16. That God gave his son. That through him the world might be saved. Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but what? That through him, men might be saved. Listen, Jesus didn't come in the world to pronounce judgment, but he came into the world to pronounce life. He didn't come into the world to pronounce or announce the ending of your life, but the new beginning. Now, there's coming a day that he'll come back as judge. There's coming a day that he'll come back as king of kings and lord of lords. But that day's not right now. We are in the dispensation, the time span of what is called the grace era. And we're living in the church age where God is roaming in to and fro. And he, the Holy Spirit is moving in hearts and lives. And he's saying, won't you come in? Won't you open up your heart and let me come in and purge you and cleanse you and redeem you? The problem is that we normally respond to judgment easier than we do grace. I mean, it normally gets our attention a lot quicker, doesn't it? The first summons you may get for something, you may lay it there and say, I'll take care of that later. And then before you know it, a second summons is coming, I'll take care of that later. And then all of a sudden, it's the last summons, and they're either cutting your electricity off because you didn't pay your bill. They're revoking your license because you didn't pay a speeding ticket or something, and all of a sudden you're up in arms. Who do I know? Who can I call? How can I intervene? 
Because why? Judgment's about to be rendered. Listen, Jesus said, I have come to seek and save those which are lost. I really don't care what you religious boys are talking about. You can laugh at me. You can laugh at me. You can mock me. You can ridicule me because I'm a friend of sinners. Matter of fact, won't you just tell the whole world that's who I am, Jesus Christ, a friend of sinners. Amen. I mean, so next time you get around some uh, brother or sister better than you, and they're on their spiritual high horse, and they're looking down their nose at you, just remember, it's not how they see you, but it's how Christ sees you. And Christ sees you as his best friend. Christ sees you as his, as his mission in life. He has this mission, but then there's this mandate. What was the mandate? Well, the mandate was this. In this passage of Scripture, it says right here, the, 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 the mission was to go find this one lost lamb. The mandate was that which one of you would not do the same thing? I mean, which one of you? I mean, there's not a person in here who, if your, your, your mother or father wandered off and was traveling around a couple states, you wouldn't try to go get them and bring them back. Amen? And there, but which one of us is willing to go and begin to tell our mother and father and our brothers and sisters and our co-workers just how much Jesus loves them? I mean, I'm not, I, I'm not talking about taking your King James Version Bible and it's about this thick and going to work and beating them up with it and, you know, telling them, man, you either got to turn or burn, get right or get left. I mean, I'm not talking about none of that stuff. I'm talking about telling them how much God loves you and what God's done in your life. I'm talking about being unashamed about being a follower of Christ and then being content with leaving the results up to God. I mean, we live not only in a microwave era, which means we want everything instantly, but we live in a miracle grow society. Amen. You're not content. With just normal potting soil. I mean, you want the stuff that's souped up. It costs double the amount of the normal soil. Because when you place your seed into that soil in your flower bed. Amen. Your little plant that you went and selected. When you dig a hole in that little potting soil and you set your little plant in that earthen vessel and you cover it back up, you cover it up thinking, uh-huh, I've got the souped up stuff. And then you're not just content with normal water. You go and you get this little attachment that goes to the end of your water hose and it's got this bottle that goes down into this canister and it's full of what? Miracle grow. And you're like, not only do I have the soil that's going to make it grow fast, but I have got the source. I have got the water. I have got the mojo. And I mean on the can of the box of the stuff you buy, there's this big old tomato. Picture perfect. And you're thinking, that's what mine's going to be. We live in a miracle grow society where we want it quick. I'm not saying that's wrong. I mean, I bought my own share of miracle grow products. Why? I want it quick. I want it good. I want it right. But in the same way, we think, okay, if I share my faith with my, my, my spouse, my friend, my co-worker, doggone it, they should have gave their heart to the Lord right then. And so then we come back with a good dose of, we call it spiritual miracle grow, and we want to just dump on them 
We want to dump on them. We want to push them. We want to persuade them. Can I just tell you today that no man can come to the Father unless the Spirit draws them. And for all of our Calvinistic brothers, I want you to know that the Spirit draws every man. God is not a God on the throne room of heaven predestined some people to heaven and some people to hell saying, I just can't wait. I formed this person to spend eternity in, in annihilation, in damnation, in outer darkness, and in outer torment, and to be separated from me forever. No, God is a loving God. We can't come to the Lord when we get good and ready. We come to the Lord when the Spirit draws, but the Spirit draws every man. And today, as we think about this, my brothers and sisters in Christ, I want you to understand something. You have to be patient. You have to be patient. I love the story. I love the story <clears throat> of the great evangelist who when he began to went into the ministry, he began to pray for his five closest friends. And as he was praying for these five closest friends, it was very interesting because, I mean, he prayed and, I mean, it wasn't any time. I mean, it was like six weeks one of them gave their heart to the Lord. And he's thinking, wow, this is, this is awesome stuff. This is good stuff. Man, my, 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 man, the Lord answered my prayer in no time. And then, man, it wasn't but about six months, the second one gave his heart to the Lord. And he's like, wow, man, I'm rocking and rolling. Two of them already down. But then it took two more years for the third one to give his heart to the Lord. He's thinking, man, but every day he woke up, every day he prayed for him, every single day, every single day, every single day. And then when his third friend gave his heart to the Lord, it was some 15 years later before the fourth one did. And then he died, and the fifth one never gave his heart to the Lord. But you know what happened? was the day that they were at the cemetery and they lowered his body in the ground, that old evangelist. His friend said, I can't take it anymore. I need to give my heart to the Lord. And at his graveside, the fifth friend gave his heart to Jesus. See, guys, it's about us being faithful. I love what the book of Habakkuk says. And though the fig tree doesn't produce no fruit, though there's no fatty calf in the stall, and I'm paraphrasing this, it says you be faithful. You be faithful. When you have everything, you be faithful. When you're just getting by, be faithful. When you have nothing, when you're in the middle of crop failure, when you're in the middle of adversity, when you're in the middle of struggles, when you're in the middle of strife, be faithful. Because he who is on his throne is faithful. Today, one of the things that we need most in our life is that we need God to begin to move in our hearts and our lives and begin to speak to us and begin to mold us and begin to shape us. He's given us this mandate that we are to be on ministry assignment. We are to be on a ministry assignment. And he's looking at this religious crowd and he's like, guys, you don't get it. You don't get it. 
You're there in your white robes. You're there with all your tassels. You're there with all your traditions. You're there with all your laws. And these people, these people who are, uh, of, uh, uh, are under the sound of my voice are perishing with no hope, with no strength in their life whatsoever. And today, I want you to be on assignment to bring them to safety. To bring them to safety. To do whatever it takes. To do whatever it takes. That's why today as a pastor, I'm very comfortable standing before our people last week and saying, go. Go be part of something that doesn't happen every day. Drive and go to Natchitoches. Sit on that riverbank. Be part of that biker service. Be part of what's going on. Be part of that moment. Be part of that moment in history where lives are being changed, where we have an opportunity to move beyond the walls of our church and go out where the lost sheep are. The shepherd didn't look for the lost sheep in the pen. He had to go out and begin to look in the nooks and the crevices and the ravines and the, and the, and the creeks and the places where that little sheep may have gone astray and may have slipped into that canal. And he would go and he would want to bring that sheep back to safety. And guys, that's where we are. And with the same way that we would chase after a loved one who may be lost physically, God wants us to go out there that same exact way and chase after those loved ones who are lost spiritually and begin to tell them about how great a love God has for them. And when we do that, there's the miracle. What was the miracle? The shepherd called all of his friends and said, Come, come rejoice, come rejoice. Come rejoice. Come rejoice with me. Because my sheep that was lost is found. The lady who had lost the coin said, Come and rejoice. I found my coin. And then he moved into the parable of the prodigal son. And he began to speak about the person. The person. Beginning to talk about the son who went away. And how when that son came back, the father was faithful and said, my son that was lost was found. But then he turned back to the real heart of the three parables. And he looked at him with the older brother who came back and began to throw a fit. Because the daddy was happy. And I'm going to tell you today. There's some people that when they give their heart to the Lord. You're going to have a hard time with it. And, and, and look guys, don't be super spiritual and say you're not going to. I mean, this happened with people who walked with Jesus, who was there at the day of Pentecost, who felt the indwelling, who felt the power and the spirit. I mean, what about it? When this dude named Saul was saved, God came to who? Ananias, he said, I want you to go and pray for this guy. And what happened? I mean, he was like, Lord, I, you know, I, I'm all about whatever you want me to do, but I, do you not know what he's been doing? You, you want me to go pray for who? Lord, we've been hiding from that dude. He's got in his hand handwritings of, of certificates that would allow him the authority to persecute us and maybe even kill us. And you want me to go pray for him? It's not always easy. I mean, it's not always easy when a, somebody who has a, a rap sheet comes in our, our body and says they give their heart to the Lord and you know, and we've been great about loving on people and accepting them where they are for who they are. And it's okay, I mean, to 
find somebody who may have committed a crime, may have robbed the, the local uh, convenience store or, or, or a neighbor or something of like that, and he's done his time, and he, he's come out, and, you know, I mean, he finds Jesus. Isn't that good? But, man, what about when it's a pedophile? I mean, what about when it's one of those people who's on that, uh, that list? I mean, have you ever pulled up the Rapids Parish sex offenders list? I mean, you can't hardly see our parish for red dots. I mean, what about when one of those guys gives their heart to the Lord? I know, oh me. It's hard. But, I mean, can the same grace that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ poured out on Calvary for a, for a good businessman that was just lost and saved him, and then for the guy who was just a knucklehead and wanted to run around and drink and carouse and, and, and shoot up foreign substances through his veins and snort them through his nose, I mean, that same God that saved that guy and changed his life and sobered him up, that same God and that same grace that saved him, well, you know he could save that person in prison. But what about, what about that guy, I mean, that we can't forgive? Now, it doesn't mean that when these people come in and come to know Christ that, that we shouldn't set up safety precautions and these kind of things but what I'm telling you today is that when the Holy Spirit starts moving you don't know what he's going to do I mean he told his disciples he said you cast your nets out into the deep now the only problem with that is that when you, when we fish in Louisiana most fishermen fish around what we call banks or geographical like objects, trees and, and sunken brush and those kind of things. They find them on their depth finder and they go find these things and they know what they're fishing for. You know what you're fishing for before you leave the house. Because if you're bass fishing, you're going to take one lure. If you're brim fishing, you're going to take something else and you know what you're fishing for. And you've never, ever, ever been surprised. Amen? But when you go out deep sea fishing and you cast your nets out into the deep and you pull those nets back, you never know what you're going to get. And when you're a faith family that's moving in the flow of the Holy Spirit and you're casting your nets out in the deep, God, you don't know what you're going to catch. But God didn't call us to be fretful or worrisome about what we're going to catch. He didn't even call you to deal with them when you catch them. He just called you to go fishing. He just called you to be faithful about fishing. And he'll perform the miracle. The miracle of transforming a Saul into Paul. Who was killing Christians but then ended up writing half of the New Testament. He'll take those wretched lives of convicted felons. And turned them into a, something that was a, a life of disgrace into a trophy of grace. That's the miracle. That's the miracle. I love the story in the early 1900s. There was a man who was caught stealing sheep. And so when some of the local farmers got together and they branded him right across his forehead, they put two S's which stood for sheep stealer. Said they wanted him to, everybody in the whole world to know that he was a sheep stealer. And everybody did. They said, man, that guy's a sheep stealer. 
They'd see him coming. SS, sheep stealer, sheep stealer, sheep stealer. Time passed by. He was a sheep stealer. Time passed by. Sheep stealer. A decade passed by. He was a sheep stealer. But see, about five years after that happened, he gave his heart to the Lord. God saved him from the guttermost to the uttermost. And he was still a sheep stealer in everybody's mind. But you know what happened? After about 45, 50 years had passed, nobody knew what sheep stealer meant anymore. And he had lived his life in such a way over that past 45 years that nobody who knew what it meant, they just thought it stood for super saint. And that began to be the talk on the street. Man, that guy's a super saint. You ever seen the way he lives? You ever seen the way he moves? I don't know anybody who loves Jesus like him. From a sheep stealer to a super saint. Did it happen overnight in man's eyes? No. It didn't God's. But it took decades for men to change their viewpoint. Some people will never change their viewpoint of you. They will always have their spiritual prejudice. But you got to look at yourself the way God sees you. And not the way man sees you. And God doesn't see you for what you are. He sees you for what you could be or could be. You say, well, I've been a believer for 25, 30 years. God still doesn't see you for what you are. He still sees you for what you could be. God's never finished with you. God's never finished with you. He's always moving. He's always wanting to take you to the next level. He's always wanting to do the next thing in your life. You say, well, I'm 65. So what? God's ready to do the next thing in your life. I mean, you never arrive till you reach the, the, the hand of Jesus. God's always wanting to move in your heart and your life and take you to the next level. And all along the way, there's going to be rejoicing when you're faithful to the mission and the mandate that God has laid before us. Why is it just a few of us here today? Because we're willing to tell everybody else on this day, go do ministry. Go do ministry. Get on ministry assignment. Be faithful. We have an opportunity here today that is more than the sheetrock in this building. That it's about what God has called us to. About what God is trying to to do in our lives. Will you help us? Will you be faithful in accepting that calling? Accepting that mandate? You say, well, Pastor, I got all these problems. I got all these excuses. And I'm telling you, God is just such an awesome Savior. And sometimes it's going to be too late. And that's happened to me. I've drugged my feet. And the time has passed, and there's nothing you could do about it. <clears throat> we was, went up to meet them yesterday, and we were, we were on the bike ride. There's about, I guess there's probably about 60 or 70 bikes there. And I'm right in the middle of them, and uh, I didn't have any cash, and I wanted something to eat. And so I went to the ATM and got me some money and uh, got me something and stuck it in my pocket. And I took off while we were riding, and I guess we went probably about 10 miles all of a sudden I look and uh, man money was flying everywhere it flew out of my pocket and so my natural instinct was man I gotta get that and so boy I hit the brakes and I looked up and there's about 45 more bikes coming my way I was like well that's gone that's too late 
It's history. It's a moment past. The sad part is that's happened in my life with people that I know who perished without Christ. And we're not going to win everybody. you know something today we can be faithful till the finish be faithful about what God called us to do today let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart keep praying for our faith family keep praying for what God's doing pray for your pastors I mean, we're at a big point in our life. You know, God's brought us a long ways from the first day that we were just meeting, that we were standing at the window praying, please somebody show up, please somebody show up, please somebody show up. And today we're having to make big decisions about where God's taking us in the future and how things look from from here and you know I mean there's a there's a uh, there, there's a rule in ministry and it's that you know people sit shoulder to shoulder everywhere except church and that you can really only run about 80% of your building's capacity and you know we've we've been tracking that for the last couple of months and you know by the grace of God we've, we've been right up to that 80% mark we've been right up to that or passing it you know last week the lord blessed us and i mean on a, on a great day i mean there was over 150 people here and the lord was blessing and but what that the good news is god's moving and and we got to begin to pray and say god show us how we move forward in the future show us what our future looks like show us where you want us to be lord show us how to die to ourselves. show us how to kill our dreams so that we don't get in the way of what you're wanting to do god please move in our life Church family, we need your prayers. And we need to become a praying church. We need to come to pray with urgency. I need to begin to pray with urgency. But I need to pray expectingly. Pastor Munwa had sent me an email. Pastor Ralph sent him an email and shared with him what was going on. And, uh, he said that he sent me the email and a prayer and basically was just, Lord, I, you know, in the name of Jesus, I just summons your mighty power and angels to rescue Brad's father-in-law and bring him back to safety. And, uh, you know, it was just, man, his prayer was answered clearly. Many of you met here and you prayed and you said, Lord, just please let him come to his senses, come to his reasoning. And I mean, it just in, in the midnight hour, it just snapped out of it. And he just went to somebody and said, I think I'm lost and I need some help. And then in the middle of nowhere, there was this middle of nowhere, Arkansas. If you've ever been in Arkansas, you know there's a lot of middle of nowhere places. And there was this little truck stop. And all of a sudden, this truck driver stopped. And he went and approached him and said, sir, I'm kind of turned around. Can you give me some directions? And so they talked to him, and he said, well, do you think you ought to call home? And he said, yeah. So Christy's dad called home, and he said, hey, I kind of got turned around and be a couple hours late. 
And the next day when the 